0: Uh, Hello everyone and welcome back to Gaming Sandbox this week on The Sandbox we'll be talking about a load of different bits of news pieces that we want to bring towards you today also a spotlight piece on Halo Infinite and then we'll be finishing off with our I suppose spotlight article of the week for Gaming Sandbox that we want to throw some attention to at the end. In terms of news pieces, I want to just give a quick uh, disclaimer that there'll be time codes down below if you're watching this on YouTube, you can skip to any of the pieces that kind of interest you, Here's a quick rundown quickly of what those pieces are, Uh, one of the pieces is half a Gen Z wants to make gaming a family tradition, according to a new survey, uh, X Fireware writer uh, has concerns about the new Mass Effect or Dragon Age TV series. Uh, the new possible teasing of a returnal DLC, and then finally Halo Infinite multiplayer will also add weapons over time. So these are all the four news stories we're going to be looking at from various different news sources. So feel free to check out both the articles themselves and the time codes in the description below. Uh, with the formalities out the way, good to see you again, Connor. How are you this week?
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm feeling pretty good, thank you. Yeah, good to be. Good to just have me and you again. It's uh, yeah. It's been a while.
0: <laughs> it seems quiet. <laughs> it's just the strange thing to say. It is
1: quite, yeah, yeah. I quite liked having Bandit on, Bandit was quite fun.
0: Yeah, I know, having guests on is always a fun time, but I um, I, it, it is strange going back to the two-person format that we haven't done in so long. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it is, yeah. Yeah. How are you? I'm not too bad, I'm not too bad. I mean, in fairness, we have actually spoken to each other probably for the most in the last two weeks and probably in the last few months because we've just been so busy with a load of stuff.
1: I, uh, I, yeah, well, I mean... We've spoken a lot over, over Infinite. It's mostly me shouting at you and you <laughs> laughing at me. It's fine. Um,
0: oh, yeah. The best way to do it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Just getting the damn Warthog origin. I mean, jeez.
0: Well, with the tragic driving that hopefully some people would see someday that you seem to have, I I'll don't know. On, I'll
1: blame it on my connection.
0: Or just bad luck. For those listening who've played Halo Reach, the Cat's driving looks like, I don't know pro levels in comparison to what connor is capable of when it comes to you, driving a war. you know master
1: chief is is the lucky spot and i'm like opposite <laughs> end of the scale opposite oh. coin
0: yeah but to, to give some perspective to this uh connor and i yesterday were playing a game of stockpile and um he was like oh we'll there's an achievement for putting uh one of the power seeds in the in the back of the razorback and i was like oh yeah that that's fine let's go do that um Getting the warthog straight away, Connor accidentally falls into this pit, and I was just like, "Oh, I guess huge I'm not getting pit. that achievement." Then. To be fair,
1: huge pit in the middle of the map. I mean, what a what a map design flaw, God. Yeah. But no, I also drove, <laughs> drove straight into that pit with the flag carrier later on, so that that went well.
0: You are the resident, I suppose, Boba Fett of Halo, really, aren't you? Oh yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Set, uh, it, I, I'm setting myself off of that jetpack.
0: Hmm. How have, I suppose we'll talk about Halo a bit later, so I want to move on a little bit. But I suppose any other news for me this week? I, I, firstly, I suppose it's Black Friday weekend, so have you purchased any brand spanking deals or whatever? Have you done any shopping yet? Or
1: no, no, I've been I've been <laughs> feeling guilty for buying credits and then for that. That's about that's about <laughs> it really. I mean, we'll come on to that. What about yeah. you? Getting um, any games?
0: I did actually. I actually went out today and got a few bits and pieces. Um, I finally because i was talking a while back about how i have a switch and i never play it and i never play any of the switch exclusive games because for some reason like they're all they never go on sale in the nintendo store at least very rarely and they're always like 70 euro and i just never feel like i'll have i'm not like that dedicated to say like mario or something like that which where i'll splash out 70 quid every now and then i think the closest i got was when i bought mario odyssey but that's because that was severely hyped up and everything and it is a brilliant game so i was all i was all ready for that and i think i got it on sale even at that but today i went to asda of all places so this is this is do you want to know first of all so for those who don't know i am originally from the republic of ireland and we don't have asda um, so when I went up I'm now living in Belfast uh, as I finished my master's degree and I thought you know what I'll take a trip to Asda it's like a local pilgrimage to see the cultural sites of Northern Ireland Um, <laughs> and I went to Asda and I got I ended up buying a Spider-Man Miles Morales for the PlayStation 5 because I, I, I loved the first Spider-Man game and I thought oh, I'll have to play Miles Morales but I've been putting it off buying it because I was like at least from what I'd seen the gameplay is very similar and that's definitely not a not to knock Insomniac, I think if you have a good formula, stick to it. But I was like, oh, I can just play Spider-Man, whatever, and I have a huge backlog. But I saw it for £30 today and I thought, oh, you know what, that's good value, I'll buy that. Uh, on top of that then, I picked up Metroid Dread for £40, which I thought was really good considering that's only recently come out. Uh, and then I splashed out £48 on Breath of the Wild. Um, Me not being a Zelda fan at all, uh, so th- that was pure... It was between Breath of the Wild and Luigi's Mansion 3. And I am, (laughs) I don't know if I'm regretting not getting Luigi's Mansion right now, but uh, I will come back to you in due course if I ever get a chance. Let's be honest, these games will still be unplayed in a year's time, so.
1: They'll be gathering dust. Yeah,
0: but I mean, it was fun to go out and buy physical games for once. I haven't done that in so long. Um, I did also buy Far Cry 6, um, because I had the, the wonderful guys over at Hall of Gamers, I won a a 20 euro gift card off them so i thought you know i'll use it on the store and i'll get far cry 6 because anything with Giancarlo esposito i will attach myself to and either play or watch rigorously so i i am looking forward to diving into that at some stage um so yeah i i have overindulged for black friday is the easy oh, way of saying that
1: lovely to hear about all these games i haven't touched you know, <laughs> just, tell me what metroid dreads like because that was completely uninformed when we were talking about that on the uh Uh, The Game Awards podcast. I
0: mean, I am, in fairness, I am the same. I've seen like various clips of it and I'm like, oh, this looks kind of cool. And Metroid has always seemed like, I don't know, this is going to sound like the most basic description or even like comparison, but it seems like Nintendo's Halo, or at least in the similar vein of like it occupies that sci-fi sort of iconic uh, main character sort of genre as the same way in Master Chief, doesn't it? Like everyone knows Samus and everyone knows Master Chief if they play those sort of games. So I was like, and I've never played a Metroid game, so I thought, you know, I'll give it a go, I'll dive in, there's been great reviews on this, it's nominated for Game of the Year, it has to be at least decent, um, and it's a side-scroller as well, and I don't mind side-scroller games, I always feel like at the least, they'll be somewhat enjoyable, Um, you'll get a kick out of the gameplay, so that, that is what I am looking forward to so far. Uh, Breath of the Wild, though, I have no idea what to expect, but I know my, everyone... my girlfriend
1: loves that game, absolutely yeah. does Breath of the Wild, so...
0: Well, that's the only reason I can still think after like two years, it's still 48 pounds. So, I mean, it must be decent. Um,
1: yeah, the Nintendo games really, really go on deal. It's really strange. I think they treat their games as like real premium. Mm. I mean, they, yeah. Yeah, well, it's they the only the reason I don't have, thing,
0: It's yeah, it's the only reason I don't have Animal Crossing because whenever I go to see it, and am like, because the hype for it's gone now, like there was a little bit with the DLC, but it was a very much a lockdown one thing where everyone got it and played it. And now, like, no, I I don't know anyone that's really currently playing it now. And I feel like it's one of those games that you need to have active friends playing it to enjoy it. And I don't really have that. So I was like, ah, this, I'm just not going to bother buying that. Maybe I'll get it at some stage in, like, 20 years' time when it's maybe £60. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but, yeah, outside of that, I have, yeah, I, I probably spent enough money, to be honest. My bank account will be severely uh, damaged. But, yeah. No, I mean I'm glad I did the the buying for the both of us then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I tell, I I have pre-ordered uh Halo Infinite um mm-hmm. it's a lovely edition from game it's just the standard pre-order but you get a steel book, you get a Halo Infinite t-shirt and you get uh in-game coatings and emblems and nameplates. Um, yeah. And that's a nice little bundle that I thought, you know, I could just get it day one game pass, but it's nice to receive a physical thing on day one. So I was like, yeah, I'll do mm. that. I haven't had that in a while. Yeah, so. I think
0: for I think for games I generally really, really like, I will go out of my way to get a physical copy. Um, yeah.
1: Cause... Do you know what? I, I think genuinely my last pre-order where I got like the guide and the, the game, um, was cyberpunk and <laughs> that was that was i i hope it will be less disappointing this time around
0: <laughs> oh i can i can imagine by all accounts it, i think we're we're safe
1: i think the first four <laughs> hours are definitely safe from the
0: sounds of it. if not we will come back and watch this clip and i will realize how wrong i was but i i hope i won't be mm. um but yeah physical games are always a good one I, I i mean i i remember i pre-ordered the physical copy of hades um when it was announced because i i really liked Hades on pc and i was like i want to support Supergiant and i was like it's nice to it, it feels nicer to get a physical copy something it feels more you have a set more of a sense of ownership over it if that makes sense yeah
1: um, i think if i think when the thomas suller did the falconer i think the warrior edition i don't think he they did it for um xbox hmm. but i definitely would have bought that if they did it physical yeah, because I, I have
0: the physical copy of the Day 1 edition, but mm. I don't know if they did a Warrior edition or whatnot.
1: And Unruly Heroes as well, that fantastic um, indie game that's like adapted uh, Journey to the West. They had a fantastic edition with an art book, but um, mm. I can't remember what was the problem with that. I don't think it was for Xbox. I think it was PlayStation, Nintendo only.
0: Really yeah. really
1: grinds my gears.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I remember... I Remember when we were talking about uh, way back when when we did our first ever podcast on um, the medium they like had a I don't know if they did a a special edition for the PlayStation 5 where they had this huge bundle where you could get a physical copy and like a load of added on extra content uh, like physical content to have um, and I remember thinking that was really cool cuz even with the Hades physical edition it comes with like an art book as well and it's so cool to just have that and read like look at the piece like I've seen the art like so many times and and again it's another thing it's like like both of us have that double fine art book or the years 20 years of double fine though very nice yeah brilliant um and i have the like the doom 2016 art book as well and there's something about having the physical one as opposed to like say a digital art book that's so much nicer um
1: yeah i remember getting the the um dark souls when it came out and it coming with the the small little slim mm. art book i mean i I very quickly went off it when i died so many times but uh, (laughs) um It was oh, It's just so cool. I mean, buy a game and get the art with it. I mean, that's thats why I bought... Um, one of my favorite things is actually the Halo 4 art book because mm. I think you can criticize Halo 4 a lot, but actually the art in concept I thought was stunning. Uh, I still look at that book, and, and I'm just wowed by sort of the Forerunner environments and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I'd be interested in the Halo Infinite art book, although I it's they're they're quite pricey but i know they're Mm. lovely additions
0: yeah i'll definitely consider picking that up i remember very like vividly having the um i don't know if your copy of halo 3 came with the poster of the arbiter and the chief on it i think all of them did yeah like that was a really cool addition i really wish they'd do stuff like that now and even like everyone remembers i think the concept art stuff for halo reach and like that's still like probably one of my favorite eras of halo i think it's my favorite like aesthetically looking halo game um and then Halo 3 maybe just behind it. And I kind of like Halo 5 to a certain extent as well. But mm. let's keep that on the download because I don't want to get attacked. But <laughs> the uh, yeah, there's so much good stuff about art and games. It's just, oh, I don't know. We're we're, we're veering off, but, but we, we do need to get to the new stuff at some uh, stage. Um, I want to chuck over to, I mean, we might as well start with this story because it is a good segue in because I want to talk about the Halo Infinite multiplayer stuff. Mm. Um, And I know that the main bit we're talking about is the IGN article written by the wonderful Jared Moore who who kind of broke down kind of what was mentioned in the game and former interview with um with Joseph Staten about the or state sorry, about the new additional weapons that are be coming and new content that'll be coming to Halo Infinite uh post launch. And I think I think we were all kind of thinking that there was going to be more weapons. I think the the roster of weapons at the moment is good and uh, the sandbox is good, but it's definitely still quite limited. Like even the Fiesta shows the amount of times you'll get the same weapons over and over um but i also want to talk a little bit about halo in general later on so we can touch on this section and then we maybe let's try and keep it as much to the sort of the upcoming content and maybe speculate a bit on what that might be and then we can come to all the i suppose the controversies later um what well, your initial thoughts anyways connor What what would you most like to see as well uh,
1: this one's a weird one for me i i'm probably going to come across as a bit of a purist because obviously i My favorite Halo games are Combat Evolved and Halo 3. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I love about Infinite is it does take it back to that Combat Evolved limited weapon pool, and you've got sort of this very streamlined sort of repertoire of weapons, Mm. and it makes you use them more. I mean, it's not just a case of like, oh, I'll just use the ones I like because because there are limited options you're more likely to pick up a pulse carbine and see if you can do something with it um there are always those weapons that go neglected so having a a limited pool of weapons and that sandbox where each of them has their own sort of um uh uh, strategy and and goal in mind Mm. there, there are ways that you can use them i think it's it's so perfect as it is um I really don't want to see them add five weapons each season. I'd really be okay with just one or two weapons um, because I don't want them to muddy it at all. I think they got into a problem where, um, obviously, Halo 2 and 3 had a lot of weapons that were the Covenant versions of UNSC weapons. And then Halo 4, you had the Promethean versions of those weapons. So you had three shotguns, three um, battle rifles. It Mm. just got a bit mad um but then in mcc they sort of what they did was just add sort of uh, the odst pistol and the odst smg um so you know perhaps there's scope for adding those things that perhaps are in game but chief can't use like uh the hunter cannons or you know anything that makes sense within the world but i don't want to see sort of huge variations on the weapons um mm. Maybe there is scope for the classic shotgun coming back in in a certain capacity if it has, say, a lot higher damage than the bulldog because the bulldog sometimes takes you know three or four shots. It might be nice for that that shotgun to come back and be a big, you know, big old boomstick sort of thing. Mm. Um, But yeah, I think this sounds great. I think you know perhaps a weapon a season and everyone you know. Tries to get a hold of that new weapon, get kills with it with the challenges. I think it sounds great. As long as they're making a very curated sandbox and keeping it as tight as possible, I'm very happy.
0: Yeah. I think when you mentioned the the hunter cannons that kind of brought back the idea, well, I know, I know they're in Halo 5. There's variants of the hunter cannons you can use. And I think Halo 5 is a really good example of the complete opposite of what we're talking about here and where they they gave like literally the player everything like the entire sandbox was available to them and there was so many different wreck variants and everything so if you played Warzone, like i don't know how many or variants or how many sniper variants there were and like some of them were clearly broken in on so many levels uh whether it was i remember the norn fang was like the one hit sniper from any part of the body like it was a completely ridiculous thing and that's not to say that it being a one shot anywhere is a bad thing because i think the the skewer does a really good job at being a, a one-hit weapon on any part of the body, and it requires a, an element of skill that, uh, like, it, it mitigates the... So, like, the outcome of getting that, I suppose, that one-hit kill feels deserved if you get it. Oh, yeah. Um,
1: yeah, very slow reload, very yeah. hard to, to hit on on target.
0: But it, it, is, it is, by all accounts, a, an intergalactic, like, space musket, really, isn't it? So, yeah. And I, I really like that addition because it, it, it actually acts as a... Like it's a good one-shot weapon against players, but it also is a really good re- uh, replacement for the Spartan laser, which I think for years really um, it kind of neutered vehicles in game modes because, yeah, if you had a Scorpion, that's great, but like it only takes one person with a Spartan laser in some obscure part of the map to just spot you and kill you. um, And I think it's a really good job that they've done at the moment in replacing that. Now, I, I do have problems with the Halo Infinite sandbox in that I think that some of the vehicles are really... like. They feel like paper, like in the mm-hmm. fact that like you shoot it a few times, it feels like if you get into a warthog and there's like two grenades thrown at you, it feels like your thing's already blowing up and it just, it feels ridiculous. The only the only vehicle that I think doesn't have that problem is the banished brute chopper and on occasion the wraith. Um, the brute chopper, it depends on the angle you're at. If you're going head on, the brute chopper has the mass, it, it really depends. Maybe the, all the interactions I've had with it have been have shown that it have maybe given me an idea that it's more powerful than it actually is
1: i think i'd agree with you on the wraith wraith feels quite buff
0: Hmm. but the um yeah i i am interested to see how they're gonna like go from this because by all accounts this game i can buy and we can compare it to halo 5 a little bit and i i'm I was about to say I'm old enough to remember Halo 5's launch, but like that was the last Halo game. Um I i do remember Halo 5's launch when it, it launched and There was no Forge and there was like elements stripped back and everything. And this is a very similar experience, but even with Halo 5, I think there was more content on launch than there is with Halo Infinite currently. Um because I know there's no co-op campaign, there's no Forge. Um I don't know what else there isn't, but I I feel like my I feel like I'm missing something else. Well, there's no firefight either. I don't think, uh, which was you know Warzone firefight was a huge part of Halo Five when it released. Um, I I am really interested to see what they do with this sort of, completely, bare bones approach that they're going for at the moment, and then adding over time. I think if you're making us like, I don't think it's a service game, but it is to a certain extent I suppose now because it's free to play and all that. But I think having these bits added over time. I don't want them. No, I don't want them to like recycle old game modes and just have them be brought in over the course of like five years because I feel like that'd be really tedious. Um, but I I am interested to see from Halo Five at the end of its cycle all these weapons, all this broken stuff. Grant, I think Halo Five is a phenomenally fun game when you have all the sandbox elements thrown together because it can be just a, such a fun chaotic mess. Halo Infinite at the moment seems like they're really trying to prioritize the balancing of each weapon and making sure in the sandbox it has its key purpose now you said you'd pick up the pulse carbine, I wouldn't dare touch that thing with a 10 inch pole, like that is an absolute harrowing weapon
1: no, I mean when you have a challenge to get kills with it (laughs) I'd never touch it and I'd get Mm -hmm. a challenge swap immediately however, the few times I have picked it up and it has hit on target, it has just shredded through people's shields so it is useful but you know that's why you've got the sidekick. Sidekick Mm. is the best weapon for, you know, deal the most damage to people's shields, pull out the sidekick incredibly fast, incredibly precise, high rate of fire. That's what it's there for.
0: Mm. I think, I think in fact, the sidekick is a perfect example of how Halo sandbox, at least in Infinite has showed that there's, it's easy, it's easily accessible, but when you master it, you can really do some damage with it, even against higher, like tier weapons. So like, if you come like you would imagine a close quarters that an AR would beat out the sidekick, but a, a I suppose a proficient sidekick user will be able to easily take down the shields of someone faster than an AR and get the headshot quickly. Oh yeah. Um another thing though, and I have mentioned this on a few occasions, I'm really happy with the way the AR feels in Halo Infinite. I think it's a really like it has a it it, it, it seem, it's a viable option now, which it wasn't it, before in many Halos.
1: It feels as beefy as the saw. It just shreds through people and mm. That's nice. That's nice that everyone's on a good starting point when they start with an AR.
0: Yeah, because I'm happy to see AR start again because my problem with the last few Halo games has been that whilst I love Halo 5's Magnum, it was always the meta to use that over the BR because it kind of made the BR obsolete and then you'd never use your AR. So if you're spawning in, you'd everyone would just use their Magnum. And that was a problem with Halo CE as well. I don't think anyone uses the AR in Halo CE on the rare occasion that they're in, like, close quarters, maybe. But I think it's nice to have AR starts again, because I think it's the first time since Halo 3 that they've done that. Um, I think you've had DMR starts in Halo or oh, whatever it I, was back then. I
1: hated the DMR. <laughs> it, it ruined so many... I mean, the bloom, and people were so precise with it. Mm. Uh, it ruined the SWAT for me, because... BS BR SWAT is the only swap for me. Yeah. Um I'm I'm glad to see that Joe Staten has said it's back in the workshop. Hopefully it comes out not quite the uh, nightmare of my dream of my <laughs> dreams.
0: Yeah, I think the one thing I'll say is that most of the weapons, and there's a few I'll touch on that I don't think are phenomenal at the moment. Most of the weapons feel like they have that space in the sandbox. There isn't a weapon that kind of does what they do better, if that makes sense. Like, the, like you won't have, like, as you mentioned with Halo 2, you won't have the sort of Covenant equivalent or the Banished equivalent in this case, or the Forerunner equivalent. Like, the Sentinel Beam is a completely different weapon to the Assault Rifle. Uh, the Plasma Pistol has its different uses than the Sidekick. Uh, the Needler has its own uses as well. Uh, it's just a lot of really good... But Like, the BR, I think, is a really good weapon, but the BR is, like, it's not the commando. Like the commando is a completely different ball game. Like they're similar like they, they are probably cousins of some sort, but like they they operate differently and it takes a different skill to to use each, which I think is really nice. Whereas before you would have had something like I don't know, like the saw and the assault rifle would have been fairly similar, just the saw has a bigger damage output. And it's like, well that's not really a big difference. Uh which I'm I'm really happy to see these changes I, now.
1: I'm just incredibly excited to use them in campaign. Because mm. you know like legendary difficulty a lot of those guns you're going to pick up and they have a purpose yeah uh yeah very excited
0: because it does it does feel like i mean i'm always a big fan of like this is why i'm a big fan of uh, like games like doom eternal and all that is that each weapon should have its should have its prescribed purpose so you know in doom it's very much like okay you can use the heavy machine gun with the precision bolt to take off enemy cannons from afar but you can also use the uh, chain gun shield to block off enemy damage like there's different uses for different weapons and all this different stuff and i feel like halo is doing that at the moment it's like if i pick up a plasma pistol i don't feel like i'm useless i can still use the charge shot in a melee or a charge shot in a change the assault rifle feels beefy just regardless. You, like, I'm happy for once that I'm using an assault rifle. I can take down shields and have the possibility of killing someone in the same clip rather than having to reload because that was a big problem for me in previous Halos was the assault rifle would be fine for taking down shields, but then it's automatically, okay, switch to your sidearm now because you're not going to have enough bullets to finish them off.
1: Do you know what's... I love how deadly the plasma pistol with the sidekick is. Hmm. I, I got into a match of Fiesta and I got plasma pistol and sidekick. I thought, oh God. And then killed like five people it, it because yeah. of that high rate of fire mm. suddenly it's like a better noob combo than ever
0: the best thing is though because i remember if you if you remember the reach plasma pistol like no matter how good your trigger finger was it had a set amount of like if you shot like there'd still be a, a significant gap in between your first and second shot whereas with this plasma pistol seems like regard like however fast you shoot like a bullet will come out so i feel like i'm shredding people's shields with the plasma pistol if i'm just constantly shooting so it doesn't feel like the charge shot is the only viable option for it, which I think is nice. Um, I We we are veering a little bit more into the general discussion, so I want to bring it back a little bit. Is there any particular weapon you'd like to see introduced soon?
1: Oh, I'm just trying to think about what makes sense to introduce. Mm. um, And then you really have to ask
0: what's missing. Well, I can go first if you want. Yeah, go for it. I, I would really like to see the grenade launcher back, um, because isn't that
1: kind of the cinder shot's purpose? The
0: cinder though? shot, yeah, but there's more of an element of tracking to the cinder shot, whereas the the grenade launcher is very much just like one and go. I feel like it. Let's say, for example, like um, if the cinder shot is lock on, then the uh, grenade launcher is a remote detonation. Like mm. there is a different element there.
1: Yes. I mean, you can use the Cinder Shot and it's got the same tap function as the Grenade Launcher, but the key difference mm. is that holding and then release to detonate.
0: Yeah. But the good thing about the Grenade Launcher is if you just want to get a pop shot in, you can do that. You can not re- You can do that with the Cinder Shot, but it's not as viable as the Grenade Launcher. I feel like that would be a good way of balancing up. I feel like there's enough of a difference there if that makes sense to warrant it having its own thing. hmm um like that's just something i'd like to see back because i was just thinking about it when it's things like i loved the grenade launcher in halo 5 and i loved the grenade launcher in reach and i'm kind of sad not to see it there but i mean obviously i mean the weapons at the moment kind of speak for themselves so i mean it'd be nice to see it come in at some stage
1: that's a that's a really tough question i i don't really know what weapons i would bring in Hmm. um You'd perhaps have to leave that with me.
0: <laughs> we can come back to it anyways when we talk about the general discussion later. Um, I want to move on to the next bit of news, though, which is the uh, article I read in the Gamer this week by Sean Murray uh, about um, over half of Gen Z uh, wants to make gaming a family tradition, according to a survey, which I think is really good. So the survey, first of all, is done by um, Get Century Link, uh, which is an American company. Uh, and they they kind of put out this survey to a bunch of Gen Z uh, applicants uh, from 16 to 24 and then parents above the age of 25. Um, and I want to focus on kind of the main stuff that's at the end of this article, first of all. So on the side of Gen Z, 33% said that gaming brings them closer to the family members. 55% said that they wanted a game night to be a family tradition. And then 39% said that the... Uh, that they think gaming was their absolute favorite way to spend time with their family. And then 50% uh, said it makes them feel like an expert with their family. And I can totally relate to that on so many levels because of anyone. On the off chance that ever I'm at home for like a family dinner or something, they're, they're, I don't, my dad will bring up something about the PlayStation and I'll be like, oh yeah, did you see what was happening this week? And it's like my element to bring to the table. Now, nobody knows what I'm talking about. I could make up lies and they'd probably believe it, but I can definitely relate to that 15% uh 55 so saying that they want to be a family tradition i think that's really cool um granted it's a very american survey i'd imagine i would be interested to see how it would age with european audiences in the same way what are your thoughts on it
1: i think game night is um it's just one of those most appealing things um mm. i remember my with my ex and her family we used to play on like seen and trials evolution on the xbox mm. um you know, games where you can just have like three or four controllers, sit down in front of, you know, TV, popcorn, some drinks. I think it's really important. I don't think that games should ever substitute going outside and spending time with your family. Um, however, I think it is genuinely one of those fundamental ways that you can build relationships with, with friends and family. Um whenever I, I spend time with my girlfriend, it's not just let's sit down and watch a film or a show. I mean, we like to watch stuff like you know University Challenge where we like to compete and see how many answers we can get right because <laughs> usually I'll get all the literature ones, she will get all the science ones, and we'll see how well we do. And so that's a little bit of a game. Um, and it's, you know, every time... It's like board games at Christmas. It is just one of those fun things that you can do with other people. And games, they sort of, I I think they're important because they set out sort of competition and what people are like when they're working together or against each other. Mm. And I think one of the best consoles for this has always been the Wii. Or Yeah, um, yeah, I think Nintendo nailed it with the Wii because almost anyone could use it. Mm-hmm. You could give it to your grandma. Oh, here you go. Just roll roll the bowling ball. Um, you know, throw a dart. It was as simple as that. Um, and every time I go around to my girlfriend's, you know, she's got the Wii U there and she's got Donkey Kong. And I think, you know, oh, I know we've already g- sort of 100%ed <laughs> Super Mario 3D World, but, you know, do you want do you want a little go? It's, um, it's just one of those things. Mm. When you want to spend time with people, it's a really good time. I... I think yeah it's a really lovely idea to set a night aside maybe in a week um my only worry would would be that uh I I wouldn't I wouldn't want to start children too young on it um I know how consumed I was by it when I was little uh and I think that I could possibly have benefited from actually spending more time outside than than on games um so as long as it's introduced in a healthy, uh, sort of amount, I think you know mm-hmm. what could be better.
0: Yeah, I think I think Nintendo did a really good job, specifically with the Wii, because I remember the Wii was actually the first console I owned, um, and that makes me sound really young all the time whenever I say this to people. But it was just generally I got I I was I I managed to convince my parents to get me into gaming quite late, um, and when we got the Wii, it was kind of this like they had so many good like. I look back on it now and I hate it at the time, but in fairness, from a parents' perspective, they have a really like great level of parental control on that system. Like you could check someone's play time per day and all that, and you could see like how long your child's been on. I think that was a really good way of allowing people to keep tabs on how long somebody's been on a certain console. I wish kind of more consoles did that, but I imagine there's some level of GDPR that would kind of stop them from doing that um
1: but, but you know Nintendo was doing so well for so long and if you consider the fact that Game Boys had that thing where you could trade pokemon and hmm. sort of link up DSs had picto chat and kind of things that you could connect with people yeah. they were doing so well for so long uh, on being able to connect friends and family together in the living room and stuff and then you get to the point where there's, like, no games to play with each other on Animal Crossing. It's like, oh, okay.
0: Yeah, but, I, I mean, it's always weird because, it, um, like, I feel like most people would know Nintendo, if you were to say it to them, over Xbox or PlayStation, particularly parents. Um, And I think it's always, I think I read somewhere this uh, year that the PlayStation 5, in the last month, outsold a Nintendo Switch for the first time. But the Nintendo Switch is still outperforming so many other consoles. Like, when you look at, the, say, the amount of money over time the games companies have I think Sony might be first because, obviously, they had consoles, like, well before Nintendo. And then Nintendo's second and Xbox is third. And Nintendo has done a really good job. Like, there's a reason every year you look, you look at the Game Awards and you see the family category and, like, four out of the five nominees are Nintendo first-party games. Like, Mario Party, Mario Kart. Like, Mario Kart is a truly, like... I would argue, a very family-ish game. Like, anyone can pick that up. The Wii was, as you mentioned, was really good because it didn't require, I suppose, the barrier to entry for parents or people who don't play games is always trying to get used to the controls. And the Wii was literally just flick your wrist. Uh, so it, was, it wasn't it was much of a, a problem. Which, I, I, in hindsight, it was a really weird move for them then to go to the Wii U, which is a fully, like, controller-based console. Um, and now they've kind of backtracked a little bit with the Switch and had the best of both worlds. Um, and I think that's doing wonders for them. As we can see, I've already given them money today. So, <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I I really do like the look of this survey because I remember some of my favorite times during lockdown was because my sister, this is when I was living at home. My sister lived in a different part of, uh, of Dublin. So whenever she come over, uh, Crash Team Racing was the game we'd always play because we kind of connected over Crash Bandicoot quite a bit because she knew who that was um and my sister by no means is a huge fan of games but she'd know the odd stuff here and there and i would kind of always like be like oh you're over do you want to play some of the xbox or something um and that along with uh jackbox was really good over lockdown either with friends or with family is a fantastic game um and what else did we look at i think we, we did like um whatever that trivia game is called um Family Fortune or something as well, um, which is a really bad game. I I don't recommend anyone buying that because it's really bad. But it it was fun time at the, uh, when we were playing it. And even my dad, who's usually like, oh, I, I'm awful at these games or whatever, like he'll get a kick out of it if you start playing it. So, I feel like, it's a it's a bit hand holdy for people at the beginning. But if you can find the perfect game to have with your family, like it's as good as sitting down and watch, it's as good it's as hit or misses as, as picking a movie to watch with your family. Really, I think picking a game to play with them, um. And if we're honest, like, if you pick a good game, you can play that a number of times. The one I was quite funny, uh, what I just thought was quite funny, is that the most played game amongst families was Smash Bros. And I was like, <laughs> I would never touch Smash Bros. in my family in my life. I've, I played it a few times when I was in doing my undergrad degree with, like, there was a game society in the college I was in, and they were all really big into Super Smash Brothers. And it was a really, like, it was kind of like, I like to describe it as, you know, the way you have your sports, uh, like your sports heads in school who are like really like overly into sport, even though they're like nowhere near being professionals. <laughs> Smash Bros is like the gaming equivalent of that, where it's a lot of people getting really angry for just mario beating up peach or something it's just um i always just imagine it'd be so funny like to ever get my family in front of the the tv to play that i mean my mom would probably say it's you know a spawn of satan and it's like so awful that they're beating each other up um funny story actually this brings back this is a little off kilter for a second but i think it's worth noting it's um i was banned from playing the wii for a bit because i was playing lego batman and my mum didn't like the fact that when you beat up one of the enemies, they broke into loads of pieces. <laughs> and it took me it took me forever to explain to her that they're Lego. Because <laughs> she thought it was just like, I don't know, realistic graphics. Decapitation. <laughs> yeah, Batman's gone a bit off kilter in this game. Um but yeah, no, um, bring it back to the point though, I I there wasn't much of a news piece. I kind of wanted to bring up the conversation around this. I just thought it was a really neat sort of Piece of information that came out this week and i thought it's kind of a, a cool story in a sense um i imagine we'll see this number grow in the years to come given that even though i say we're i say gen gen z and millennials are kind of the the two generations that have grown up with gaming as sort of a, a popular medium as opposed to the generation before that where of course stuff like doom was installed on more home computers than, micro- than windows at one point but like the stuff in the case of like games being more accessible to people anyone can pick it up everyone knows about games like everyone knows who sonic is everyone knows who mario is um everyone knows who pikachu is like it's all that sort of stuff where it's like i i feel like this will only grow in the future and i hope it does as well because i think it's a it's a medium that's clearly here to stay Uh, i mean (laughs) i would say that wouldn't i on a gaming podcast for a gaming website but you know that's my thoughts any any closing thoughts on it though connor
1: Um, just that I think it's had a huge boom because of the pandemic I think that Mm -hmm. so many people found refuge in gaming uh, uh, locked inside Mm -hmm. Um, whether that continues I don't know but it's certainly increased its popularity and I think that uh, people rely on it as that thing that they can have at home perhaps when it gets to winter more people and more and more people rely on it you know Mm
0: -hmm. 100% um moving over then from sort of games as a as a hobby and as a survey i want to bring it over to the meshing of two mediums which is obviously the medium of film and tv with games and i I want to bring up this one particularly this week because i am very much quite interested connor obviously you've played your fair share of mass effect for when we did the unofficial game pass podcast but i want to break into this a little more obviously uh, an ex-BioWay writer was talking about the concerns he may have with a potential Mass Effect or Dragon Age TV series. And that was, of course, uh, David Gator. I hope I'm saying his surname correctly, or Gaider. One or the other. Please, my name's Odrin. Everyone pronounced my name wrong. have sympathy. Um, But I wanted to talk about this really quickly because it is it brings up a really interesting conversation. And one of the main elements, first of all, was that I remember there was a few years ago where there was rumors of a Mass Effect film um and that kind of seems to be dead in the water now it was cancelled a while back um and i'm kind of happy that that was the case because if anyone's played mass effect imagine trying to condense that into even if you were to do a three-hour film i don't think you'd do this that will first game justice um but the one element that came up in that thread that i thought was really interesting was the the so much difference in choice for the customization of characters and of course the interaction with side characters in Mass Effect and Dragon Age. I'm gonna specifically focus on Mass Effect because that's the game I know the most. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't re- I haven't played Dragon Age, so I can't really speak too much of that, but it is it brings up a very interesting question of if you're doing a series, uh, like another example we can bring up is Paramount series for Halo, uh, which is set to come out next year. Uh, if you're doing a, a, a sort of a show or a series on a popular gaming IP, do you focus on the main cast in that game? Or do you do something in that universe? Um, and I want to preface it with the point that Mass Effect actually has had a an animated film about it called Paragon Lost, which covers one of the side characters, James Vega, before Mass Effect 3 come out. And it covers where he was in the offensive Mass Effect 2. And it's quite good. It's it's fine adaptation and it's good for any of the fans of the series. But I think that's fine in a sense because it's a character we get introduced to after and there's no way in which the universe can kind of be affected by his actions in a center in like some obscure element outside of the main story, which I think is fine. But then it's when you get to the stage of like, okay, we're going to make a mass effect series and we're going to focus on mass effect one. Like, I think the first thing that was brought up is like the decision of whether is Shepherd a man or a woman, like that's already a, a hotly debated topic. I personally really like um, Jennifer Hale's portrayal of Commander Shepard, but I know a lot of people love Mark Muir as well. So it's like, that one, that one decision will already alienate the audience. So, I suppose I've spoken a lot about this already, and I've probably thrown off loads of random stuff. But what about your thoughts on this, Connor? What were, what was your first initial reaction to it?
1: So, yeah, I thought going into the article that this was obviously a dev who was c- concerned about the how the game would be preserved being adapted into the new medium. I thought that they were probably going to be a bit precious about, you know, you know, we're all precious about media that we, that we love. And then it gets a bad adaptation. I know Resident Evil just got a film, which, um, from the sounds of it, isn't the best film, but it does good fan service. Um, so, you know, it's always a concern. What I think surprised me reading it uh, and his thread of tweets and his argument was that it was more? Bioware games are intensely personal, and sort of woven experiences that are curated by each player, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they have an inherent problem in that when you look at the covers of, say, Mass Effect or Dragon Age, you know you either see the male Commander Shepard or uh, on Dragon Age Two, there's you know the the male uh, protagonist on the cover. Um, and so, you know, would these companies like Amazon, would they just pick um, that male character and say, okay, that is Shepard, that is uh, your protagonist in Dragon Age and uh, cast a, a, a white male actor in that role? Uh, would they do that or would they sort of go out there and, and make the choice to make a very unique Shepherd? or, you know, how yeah. would the casting be done? I think there's so many questions and I think that, there is a right way to go about it, and uh, that anxiety about whether they do it correctly is, you know, completely um, valid. Mm-hmm. I think what's important to know is that Henry Cavill has already teased uh, uh, sort of an Instagram post where he clearly has a Mass Effect script <laughs> in his hand. Um, <sighs> I-, I could see Henry Cavill being a, a- uh, shepherd and and that kind of in that role and i have to admit that yeah um he did fine in the witcher i assume people seem to be, like yeah
0: it. that'd be hilarious to see him as like two main ip characters for video yeah. games showing and well, those, he's, let, yeah
1: he's the gaming actor just rely on him for everything
0: yeah um i i yeah i mean i will certainly watch this if it comes out because i um I know for lack of a better word like a whore for Mass Effect like I will eat up anything that comes my way about it. Um and I, even if it's terrible I'll be like oh my god just to see the aesthetic of Mass Effect on TV is already good enough for me. Um I know I'm very easy to please. <laughs> um but it's like I don't know I would really like if they took the universe of Mass Effect and made something new. Like I've always loved that idea. Like I have like I'm really looking forward to the Paramount with for Halo but I don't know how I feel about it being Master Chief and Cortana-centric because we've we've seen that story. Um, I don't know how much more there is to tell outside of just retelling the events of the games through the form of TV um, or through telling sort of missions we haven't seen with them, which I don't think will add much to the overall knowledge we have of those characters. Yeah. Um, like, I'd love to see a show kind of depicting what the rest of blue team were doing from like <laughs> halo one to, to to four like that would be amazing to know what they're at um like i even read like like a core product it's a cold protocol or is a core pro- a cold protocol pro- oh jesus christ Cool protocol uh one of the books originally i'd love to see gray team i'd love to see a thing about gray team i'd love to see anything about red team either like all this other stuff like this huge universe that halo has like I sh- like halo legends is just a fantastic job of kind of showing that universe off in different styles and giving different personalities to loads of different stuff so i'd love to see that universe kind of expanded upon uh, rather than everything having to be chief and cortana like it's a huge problem sorry i'll let you talk in a second but it's a huge problem i have with star wars because everything always goes back to anakin skywalker luke skywalker it's like there's a huge universe there and like it seems like for some reason, like even in the Mandalorian, I was so annoyed when they introduced Luke Skywalker because it's like, oh, yeah, this huge universe, but of course Luke Skywalker happens to bump into our characters. Oh, and of co- oh, there's Bo Katan. She was in another show. Oh, Ahsoka. Oh, she was also in this show. I know. It's like there's only so many cameos from characters I've seen over and over again. I want to see something new, original, something that has no bearing on the rest of the universe. You know?
1: Yeah. I I think the Halo films are interesting, right? Um, I think I was one of the people that had a more generous view of Halo Nightfall. I mm. quite liked that film as a sort of a Ridley Scott feeling mm-hmm. type uh, horror vibe, sort of Prometheus almost. Um, I really, I really dug it. Um wasn't flawless, but I thought it was good. The Fall of Reach, really great animated film of, of that, of that first Halo novel. Really mm. enjoyed that one. Halo Legends, as you said, great the one that really sticks out as forward onto Dawn, which I was sort of on board with until they introduced Chief and the voice actor for Chief is just not Steve Downs. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's it's the same when listening to the Halo Shadows of each audiobook and the guy who's narrating sort of does a Batman voice for Chief and it's like, no, no, that's not what Chief sounds like. <laughs> um, it's, it's very hard to portray the, the main protagonists from games on, on a on a screen because, you know, you can put so much into the uh, the costumes and everything, but I don't think Garrus is going to look right. I, mm. I don't care no matter how much they nail it, I can't see him looking right on screen. Yeah, um, The thing is
0: as well, it's like if they have a bad budget and they choose to go the angle of, say, CGI, it could end up looking terrible as well. And if they go, like, practically of the other side of, like, you mentioned that Resident Evil movie earlier. Like, I think the, like, awful practical and CGI works for that because Resident Evil is such a, like, Bollywood-style series anyways.
1: Well, I don't know about Bollywood. That well, you know what I mean? Like, B-movie. more indeed.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Bollywood's probably the worst. <laughs> yeah, sorry. No, I don't know what I'd I'm I'd love to say a musical Resident Evil,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I think I'm absolutely with you. They do not have to do the main storylines in these games. Uh, I think the Dragon Age and Mass Effect universes are so rich. There's so many different stories they could tell, Um, but I don't think they would. I think knowing the sort of things they like to go for, they like to try and adapt the main stories. You know, it's it's easy. It's uh, it will you know get fans interested because it's a story they know depicted again Mm -hmm. um it's comfortable
0: (sighs) yeah i would be yeah
1: and you know if if they did you know i don't know if they did gender swap characters and sort of diverse casting would it would they take the risk and perhaps alienate some people but then alienate but then they alienate people by just, you know, keeping, like, a white male mm. um, shepherd, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, again, I'm thinking, like, my Dragon Age playthrough. There's a, for me, Dragon Age Origin such a beautiful game, right? Mm. And that story is very clear-cut in my mind of what happens and the main story beats, and I know exactly the plot points. But then I sort of think back and I go, wait, no, those were my choices. I may think of them as the correct ones because, you know, you play cyberpunk, right. And there's like the true ending or whatever, you know, the, the good ending. Mm -hmm. And so you, you may always think of, okay, well, the end of Mass Effect 3, I know what the good ending is, but the truth is that not everyone has that ending. They choose, you know, they may choose Renegade. They may choose whatever. So by taking that tailored narrative away and robbing the choice and just portraying this is the story of mass effect yeah you are gonna lose some of that personal connection with what gamers have had and um it's always the risk you take when you make an adaptation um Mm. i don't think there's any clear answer i just think that should it be given to big studios like amazon i'm not sure i think it should be given to people who are intensely passionate about recreating the same experience from the games and perhaps the devs should be more involved with the adaptations than they currently are
0: yeah i, I think the one thing about mass effect particularly the mainline story that made it so appealing to the gaming audience was the level of choices you mentioned and you know we've already kind of seen a level of backlash to when the level of choice isn't as nuanced or deep as it as it should be, and that was, of course, with the endings to Mass Effect 3, and the kind of, yes, there was three different choices, but I mean, people kind of boiled it down to what's your favourite colour sort of thing, Um and, you know, we have seen, I suppose, unintentionally sort of the reaction that Mass Effect fans would have to a more linear sort of conclusion to a series. Um Granted, I do, I'm not too fussed about the ending of Mass Effect 3 anymore, I think initially maybe I was, but now I'm kind of like, yeah, I, I, I can see it being a nice conclusion. But, like, I would... I, like, I actually more have worry for the people who would be involved with it if there was a linear element to it. Because, like, there's people out there who will die for the idea of, like, no, Shepard needs to be in a relationship with Garrus or Shepard needs to be in a relationship with Tally. Like, imagine trying to balance that. And then this, like, I think for many case, I remember there was a lot of unfortunate... Like, awful death threats that were sent to developers at the time of the end of mass effect three. And it's like, I wouldn't want to see that resurface in the form of a mass effect TV show. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, if there's anything I want to kind of conclude this story on is if they're going to do this, I would like them either to just commit to something, go with it, make your own vision, um, of what you think the, the series would look like on TV or just completely avoid the main storyline and go for something a bit more niche in that universe. Uh, maybe it's
1: it's impossible to make people happy yeah when i was when i was was younger i i picked a relationship with ashley because i thought like that she was like canon gonna be shepherd's girlfriend or whatever Hmm. and then sort of grew up talked to you and figured out she's like space racist and everyone hates her (laughs) um so you know if you clean ashley up and be like shepherds uh meant to be partner in the Mass Effect series, everyone's going to be like, no, Ashley's a space racist! <laughs> uh, <laughs> Definitely, yeah. So, like, you know, however you portray these characters, <laughs> should it be faithful to the game? You know, yeah. it, oh, it's a tough question, and I'll say I'll say this, because I know that the Halo TV show that's coming out, yeah. uh, Kiki Wolfkill, has done a huge amount of work on that, and, yeah. you know, just having 343 three have that, that tight hold over Halo Media, um, you know having someone as franchise director so that three four three sort of control the output of different media and so they have control over novels, graphic novels, and it's not just the games. Mm-hmm. I think that's brilliant preserving um, the game and the spirit of the game in each thing that they produce. And I always worry when it goes off to a, a different studio and you know, because oh god, how are they gonna mm-hmm. how are they gonna take it?
0: yeah i mean it's definitely a complex question it's not one we're going to solve tonight but no. uh, it is probably the the topic at least today that i'm most interested to hear people's thoughts on so if you have any and you're watching this on youtube leave them in the comments below or you can interact with us on all the socials that'll be linked in the description as well love to hear your thoughts on that story um moving on to our final news piece then i think this is more something i wanted to talk about because <laughs> i don't think you've played returnal i oh, know you don't obviously you haven't you don't have a playstation 5 but um, there was sort of a, I suppose there was a tweet put out by House Marky, House Marky or House Mark. I never know how to pronounce their name, and I probably well, I, should have I've, looked it up. I've before. heard it,
1: House Mark, but
0: House yeah. Mark, yeah. They they tweeted out pretty much um on November twenty sixth, the uh, Atropos with a load of question marks, and then sort of pictures of some uh, stone ruins, which uh for fans of Returnal we haven't seen in game. So, uh, people have been speculating that this may be a new DLC. I mean, let's be honest. It probably is. Like they wouldn't just tweet that out like that. Like, like no, that's th- th- who who are people saying these rumors. Like it's. Let's be honest. I'm gonna make a bold statement. Say it's all but confirmed. <laughs> and if it's not, I'm gonna look like a tit. But i Well,
1: it's a strange tweet, right? I mean, I'm not a returnal player, but it's mm. it's out of context. Um, it's a little bit juicy. It, you know, it implies that there's something. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I think this is a very. Purpose, purposeful. I mean, it's not cleaned up or anything. It's, I mean, what is it like a screenshot of a yeah. of a monitor? So, like, <laughs> it's yeah, it's a little bit interesting. You know, and, you know, what are we gonna see? Is there more? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'd be interested to to see because while I I didn't play Returnal I certainly saw people's playthroughs of it. Um, I think it's an interesting game. I actually know someone who did some dev work uh, for oh, the game. Very nice. Um, I think a, a sort of you know one of those dev teams that sort of does uh, you know is hired by, say, Housemark for for some programming work mm. or whatever. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, but I the the game is like a roguelike where if you die you start from the beginning. Is that right? Uh,
0: I, in the it's a roguelike in the same way Hades is a roguelike. It's like the character retains all memory of what happened and there's kind of certain elements of. Uh, once you get to a certain area you kind of kind of skip through that at some stage
1: so do you think uh, have you completed it
0: not fully no okay so do you think the DLC would uh
1: would be the the same format
0: uh, yeah i mean i can i can't see them like i wouldn't see them straying away from the genre they're in if that if that's what you're asking i'd think that would be a gross like not gross but like it would be a, a weird like move I, I don't think it would work because people are buying returnal for returnal's gameplay
1: yeah so is there is there any like save points at all, or is it always start from the beginning? That's
0: a that's a really interesting question. So uh, let's I, I want to point out because this is um this has come after just they've kind of announced sort of update two uh, which is kind of they've introduced photo mode first of all, which is you know cool. Everyone likes a bit of photo mode, especially on a game like Returnal, which looks stunning. Uh, and then they've introduced a suspend cycle feature, which people have been asking for for ages because obviously. Unlike Xbox, you can't quick resume on games on PlayStation, so if you were doing a, a run of Returnal, you had to finish that run before turning off your console, or else you'd lose it, um, and that was a really awful system. So they've now, finally, introduced a system where you can suspend the cycle and come back to it later, uh, which is great. Uh, Hades did that really well as well, uh, where it would save each time you go into a different chamber, so you could come back to it later and play it whenever. Um which could be abused if uh, uh, you didn't hear that from me, but it can be abused if you're doing poorly. Um, But the, I, I would be very, very, very happy to see a Returnal DLC. I haven't finished the main game, so I need to do that first. But I, uh, there's something about Returnal. It's like, it seems like the black sheep of like, ps5 exclusives at least the ones that people know about whereas like you don't hear anyone ever mention it when they're talking about ps5 like the games you'll hear brought up are like ghost of tsushima ratchet and clank um last of us uh, what else spider-man and miles morales like you'll hear all those games brought up all the time but you will never hear, you'll very rarely hear someone mention returnal um and I, I i think it deserves a lot more praise i think in fairness it was maybe snubbed i'm not gonna snub to the game awards but that's probably a biased opinion don't take that from me and let's be honest the awards don't really mean anything it was nominated for a few different bits um but yeah no i i would love to see a, a sort of a dlc add-on i think it deserves a. I think it's a great I'd, game
1: i think as an xbox gamer um and correct me if i'm wrong i think returnal seemed a bit like an event like you know this new roguelike very challenging mm. um and people were sort of obsessed about it until they completed it. But uh, am I right in thinking it, it's pretty limited in, in terms of narrative scope?
0: It's it's mysterious for sure. Uh, it's very... Um, I think that's one reason I really like it is it, it's, it's not a story that just presents itself to you. Like it's not like The Last of Us where it's giving you this concise narrative from start to end. It is very much told through the stories of um you finding clues of past lives of different cycles and runs that you've done or through elements of notes and that that you find or through translating scripture from ancient ruins I think that's that's my favorite part of storytelling in those sort of games because it really just hits on some like it makes you feel smart figuring out bits about the universe and it makes you feel like it satisfies the players need to want to learn more about a universe but also, you know, I don't want stuff handed to me. Um I think the story of Eternal is something that even now I kind of think back on, like coupled with the gameplay, the music, like it has like I've mentioned to you the aesthetic of it being kind of a Prometheus style. Um and the aliens in it as well are really interesting. The music itself is really eerie, but also mysterious and kind of sci fi like heavy synth sci-fi, which I love. Um, like uh, I, I could go on about Returnal for, for ages, but sorry, did you want to say something?
1: It it seems like the big difference between that and the PlayStation titles that I really praised are um, the sort of step back from that very cinematic narrative experience. Yeah. So this seems to me, like from people watching people play it, is, is this very challenging event type game. And I think perhaps this DLC could... Uh, revive a lot of interest in in returnal and get people playing it you know for uh for another period which you know uh, yeah. would be would be great because you know games like this you know seemingly deserve more recognition and and have more content to bring people back so yeah i Sounds think good. i think
0: returnal returnal story if i was to try and compare it to something else which um I think I maybe would say it intrigues me in the same way that Control's narrative intrigues me, in the sense that I really like the kind of spooky, supernatural element of it, the mysterious sort of bits of you don't, like, you will never, like, if you play Control, like, you won't ever fully understand what everything is doing. There's a certain level of you just have to trust in the unknown forces that they're doing this. Uh, and I love that sort of form of storytelling because I think it's a very core human trait to like try and explain everything. And I think when games end up doing that, it can feel really unnatural. Uh, but when you get like something that's kind of saying like, like Alan Wake is another perfect example. Like I have no idea what the hell's going on in Alan Wake half the time. But that story engrosses me because, well, I mean, I, I don't know what how the forces work or how any of the villains are, are at least main antagonists are kind of how they are, what they are. And I know that obviously Alan's writing creates these creatures, but why is it that Alan's writing does this and all this stuff? So, like, it's those questions that intrigue me about that game. And it's the questions I have about Returnal that intrigue me about it, and then it's obviously the questions about Control that intrigue me in that. Um, I know, I've know i rambled on loads, and maybe I've kind of made some incoherent points here and there, but Returnal is a really good game. Um, it doesn't get enough praise it deserves. It's one of those games that maybe I think is a little heavily overpriced. It's 70 seventy euro on the PlayStation Store. I think seventy euro is too expensive for any game, from honest. Um, but maybe, but that's my that's my position from a consumer. If I was a dev, maybe I think different. I, I, but I do think I remember reading the House Mark were surprised when Sony were saying that they should charge seventy quid for it. Um, but that's mainly from them being more of a a double A maybe single A publisher, uh, or dev team up until that, um. But yeah, no, I I I think it's some interesting news. I'm interested to see where it goes. Any closing thoughts, Connor? No, I just I I'm
1: more interested and
0: wish I had a PS5, really. <laughs> maybe someday, maybe someday. <laughs> um all right, so let's move on to our spotlight piece uh, this week, which is uh, talking a bit about Halo Infinite's multiplayer, which both of us have heavily been playing, I think. Mm. Uh, if we look at some of the time in game, some more than others. <laughs> um which I think, what, are you nearly up to two days played now, despite yeah, only coming so it, out maybe a week and a bit ago? It,
1: it's about one day,
0: 20 hours on top of my fence <laughs> list, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Um, I suppose we should jump in with a very broad question. How have you been finding it? Uh,
1: I think just the bare-bones gameplay is just fantastic. It's addictive. It's just that shot of adrenaline that I don't think I've had from halo multiplayer since perhaps halo reach um which is a multiplayer i don't like playing on mcc but at the time it had that it had that feel everything Mm -hmm. knew everything worked uh and you know i've just been i've been sucked in um more broadly uh if you're wondering what a halo multiplayer looks like now in terms of what you actually pick to play, it's quite limited, and and in some ways I like it. But it's either quick play, which is your four v four arena, uh, bot boot camp, which is your um, again the same but against bots, and you know for you to practice, um, big team battle, which is uh twelve v twelve, and then ranked arena, which is you know no radars, battle rifle starts, and there's a few game modes on each. So. You have a very limited pool of game modes to choose from. Um, they're doing a Fiesta event at the moment where you get random weapons. That's very cool. Um, and yeah, it feels like you know perhaps people were expecting much more content at launch. And I think the prevailing thought to me is, well, this. You know, we, we've been waiting to see what Halo Infinite looks like. They've been saying it's the platform for Halo for the next 10 years, and it's come out, and it does feel like a, a platform. It does feel like a, a game as, as a service, almost. Um, mm-hmm. It feels like something that would be updated over time, and things will be added. Um, and, you know, this is kind of the first time we've, we've seen this from Halo. I think... Um, to add on to our discussion earlier, earlier, uh, as long as things are added correctly in a finished, polished, best-they-can-be way, I think this is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, Halo 5, to this day, does not have split-screen co-op. Um, there are still things it's missing where it's just like, why can I play all of MCC's split-screen co-op and not Halo 5? it's very jarring. Um, so, you know, as long as they get those things in eventually and they work. Yeah, I'm fine with it. Um, make sure everything works before you add it. I don't care. I don't know what they've been doing the past <laughs> six years, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I don't know what they were planning to release last year. It Because it, it to be honest, it does feel bare. Um, I don't know what, what you think personally, Eldrin. I think mm-hmm. it, it does make up for it because the gameplay is so good, but there are some serious concerns with sort of the battle pass system, the progression system, uh, the microtransactions. Um, things feel slightly half-baked, but I think I, I'm so willing to forgive it based on the gameplay. But I, I want to hear your thoughts as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, I initially thought it's, it's, it's a really, really well-polished title, and it is for sure. But when you compare it to the fact that they've been working on it for six years i'm kind of thinking the same as you like where have those six years gone like because obviously i want to preface first of all i'm not a dev i don't know how much time it takes to put to a game i don't know what the implications are behind this but i'm just going to say at least from a consumer standpoint from a fan standpoint it seems like the stuff that's in the game at the moment so far and maybe the campaign will prove to be a completely different ball game and it will completely justify the six years the multiplayer so far feels like this is three years max could have done this and that's that's my thought process and i want to i want to kind of just follow on from that because i am maybe and this is me putting on tinfoil hat for a second um maybe thinking that there was some element at the time when they finished halo 5 and obviously i think a lot of time has to go into preserving that game and updating that game and along with mcc as well so I'm thinking in my head an already fractured dev team for three four three trying to work on infinite, um. I want to say maybe they had a plan initially to have something that had the same sort of body or spirit of Halo Five for Halo Infinite, and then once there was such a level of backlash about say the aesthetic of the of the game, they kind of thought, okay, let's let us let us bring this back a bit, because I don't I don't think that at least. The campaign in general was ever was initially going to be a banished antagonist like i feel like they saw the popularity of halo 2's banished i feel like there was definitely more halo there. Wars the, 2. halo was two. sorry uh they saw the popularity of that banished because halo 5 ends on a cliffhanger very much with cortana and the ais as the antagonist there, there's no question about that um and the way we're seeing the halo infinite campaign at the moment at least in my mind it seems like a huge gap in time from that to where we're starting off, and I think I'm it's thinking
1: eighteen months.
0: Yeah, but I'm thinking: have they initially done that now by necessity because they want to force this new antagonist to the in or is it a conscious choice that they were always going to do? I don't think it is, but again, that's this is all speculation, all just my thought process at the moment behind the game. And now I'm not saying that's a good or bad thing. I really like the way it's looking at the moment. I I think it's probably going to be if not my favourite Halo game. I think it's it's definitely angling for that at the moment. If the campaign lives up to what I'm expecting, this is going to be at least top three, if not the best Halo game I've played. Mm.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's that's well said. I think that I, I don't know the precise dates for the, the different Halo Infinite trailers. Um, uh, perhaps you can look them up for me while I'm talking. Um, but there was the original sort of announcement trailer that showed off the slip space engine and some environments. And, you know, there are things you can pick out from that trailer. Like, oh, there's wildlife um, uh, and everything looks very pretty. Mm-hmm. And it looks like there's a, a silhouette of a brute at some point. It got people quite excited. That might have been three years ago. I'm not it was sure. It 2018
0: when that came out.
1: Yeah. So I think this game has been in sort of full go-ahead production at least since 2018, let's mm-hmm. say. Um, 2019, I think we got the Discover Hope trailer, which was the the first cinematic, basically in in the game. Uh-huh. And last year we got the campaign reveal. Um, so those are three kind of jump points, right? You've got what the engine is capable of. They're starting to build environments. Then you've got we've got the first cutscene. Then we've got okay, we've got gameplay. Okay. And those are. Uh, by no means uh, markers of where they're at in development. Um, but, you know, it takes a while to think of a story. It takes a while to write a script. It takes a huge amount of time to just design the environments for a huge open-world game like Halo Infinite. Mm. Um, and then it's the the gameplay tweaking and everything. But, you know, I think the thing to remember is that they have been building up from scratch in this new engine. Um, it's not just a, a, a cut and paste job from Halo Four to Five, you know. Yeah. Uh, not saying that what that's what it was, um, but it it is you know a radical change in aesthetic and and gameplay. Um, mm-hmm. You can tell that by playing it. It doesn't. There there are things that have been left over from Halo Five, but it certainly feels a lot different. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard to tell exactly what they've been doing the past six years, but I think if if you have it in the frame of mind that it's been kind of full go-ahead for the past three years, perhaps that Xbox Series X launch was ambitious, um, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what we've got is, is clearly meant to be a platform. I mean, I think this campaign could come out and surprise us. But at the moment, I don't think there's anything teasing us to believe that there will be more environments than the standard ring biome. Mm -hmm. Um, We haven't seen any, (laughs) I mean, we haven't seen any flood, but so, uh, so far they've been taking so much inspiration from Combat Evolved. They could be keeping that a secret and it was a big reveal 20 years ago. It could be a big reveal again. Mm -hmm. Um, They could have lots of tricks hidden up their sleeves in the campaign, but so far from what we've seen, uh, again, campaign seems like very good gameplay and perhaps a quite similar open world at times. Mm -hmm. Um, If that's the case, I think we'll see more campaigns released over the next 10 years. I think we'll see Firefight and different multiplayer game modes introduced. Um, it's a strange one, right? I mm-hmm. I, I like it a lot. Um, I'm glad that Halo's back. It's doing extremely well in terms of uh, people actually downloading and playing the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the progression system needs work. I mean, yeah. when, when they said, you know, it's going to be MCC, you know, think MCC when it comes to progression. It's like, okay, but you know when the fact is that you know MCC gives you a lot at the start and Infinite doesn't, and they mm. promised a lot from this customization to sort of quell our worries about the coatings and uh, customization options. The fact is a lot of people look like <laughs> kind of bare <laughs> Spartans with one color and the same armor. Um, it is
0: it is weird though that they had such a good progression system in MCC, and it's just seems like it's been completely undone for infinite
1: well m c c had you know you had one token or you know one thing mm. to spend per level and then when you got high enough it was purely based on challenges um and you know they've they've gone back to the challenge system but you you no longer get sort of x p for performance which is a strange move it's it's always Going to be a strange move when you depart from something that Halo has had previously. Mm. Um, the battle pass, paying for a battle pass, and then finding out that actually, the the armors and the colors and coatings you unlock, they're nowhere near as vast as what they were promising. You know, I was expecting sort of camouflage coatings. You know, armor that isn't just the the five heroes from Halo Reach. Mm. You know, a lot more interesting stuff but you know i i recognize that it's still very bare bones but i'm sort of i'm at the point where i'm looking at all the coatings and i'm going well there's not that many i actually like the look of you know through the the whole hundred tiers of the battle pass so where am i going to get these nice coatings for Are they're going to make me pay for them or they're going to make me grind mm. um you know which is frustrating because the the shop on the game at the moment i think we've both said. Uh, privately um they need to half the price because yeah. i mean you get 15 pounds for like a set of armor or uh seven pound for a weapon skin and you know a charm and an emblem mm. it's it's just not it's too much i think they've got a wonderful game here And I think that people want to spend money because they enjoy the game so much. I know I certainly have. I've been spending money because I enjoy it so much. I've been playing it. Mm -hmm. I like how my Spartan looks now, but if I hadn't (laughs) paid for some boosts and and some armor, I I think I still would have been a bit dissatisfied. Um, You know, if they... And again, with, with the shop having limited items that are only there for a week, and if you don't buy them... You may they may never crop up again. Mm-hmm. It, it's that thing of people will genuinely give you you know, lots and lots of money if you just make things you know a bit cheaper, and make them see what they're buying. You know, people will want to buy these armors if you just give them interesting colors and armors to buy. You know that mm-hmm. you don't have to put them behind a huge paywall. I know it's a free to play multiplayer, but. I yeah. think they'd still make their money back and um it, it feels a little bit of a uh you know, kick below the belt to uh introduce the microtransactions in this way. I like I like that it's not pay to win. There's there's no sort of buying weapons or, or anything. It's just cosmetic. But um the game as it is at the moment, it's very clear that they're following sort of a model. I don't know if it's perhaps the fortnite model you know they want to make money off uh hmm. new gamers you know uh, uh younger gamers uh, that obviously play fortnite and buy lots of skins and things but i'd i'd like to hear your thoughts as well i
0: think i mean from the brief period i played fortnite which is about maybe 10 hours max over its entire lifetime um i i do remember at least yeah, the cosmetics were always there to buy. Um, but you know, you think about it, you paid like maybe eight eight euro for one skin, um, and it was available on every character. Um I don't like the exclusion uh to certain armors of specifically coatings, when you can see clearly in bot boot camp matches that they're mixing and matching a load of stuff. And the coatings don't just apply to this one skin that they're saying. Like It seems like so ridiculous on so many levels because it wouldn't matter so much to me if we had never seen this in a Halo, if we had never seen so much more open customization in a Halo game before, but we have. Halo Reach is still held up as the pinnacle of customization. I would argue MCC now, specifically Halo 4's customization is the best customization system that's in Halo at the moment. Like, Like, say what you will about it, you don't have to pay for any of the elements of it. You can customize everything from your uh, shoulders to your shins to your, like every part of the of the current Spartan you can customize um, and then to go completely off kilter and introduce this like coatings were controversial when they were announced I remember that I remember people giving out about it and then people were like oh no it'll be fine don't worry and I'm I, they just don't sit right with me Um, I, I yeah.
1: don't I don't mind them but the way that they've been introduced is particularly egregious in the fact that you've got your different armor cores, right? Mm -hmm. Which are basically, you know, and I feel, I didn't feel it. I got sort of like the pop Funko figure that gives you the, the same blue and yellow coating. Mm. And then you buy the game and you discover that that, that coating only works for Mark seven. It doesn't work with Mark five.
0: Um,
1: and then the coatings you've got, you know, I'm looking through them and they're all base one color for the whole body. Um, you know which is something that we haven't really had since Halo combat evolved yeah you know we've always had two two colors or three colors on our Spartans you know why why should my Spartan be all purple you know mm-hmm. um, and coatings in premise I I like it I like that there's different textures and I like my new willow tea uh, coating that I got for the the weekly challenge where it's got like um it looks like little flowers like on the mm. uh, on the undersuit but uh, there's a lot of interesting things you can do with the coatings. Yeah. I think in terms of texture, you know, there's uh, the platinum anniversary coating that's kind of glossy and shiny. There's the, um, the the toy one I mentioned, which is completely clean. It looks like plastic. And then you've got the other ones, with all the bumps and scratches and mud and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they look great, but I want more of them. I I don't understand why you're making me progress through a battle pass and then sort of tier 99 is just grey tier uh, you know there's lots of tiers higher up the battle pass so it's just blue and grey it's like mm-hmm. where's the camo where's the interesting patterns and things you know I thought this was going to be really unique and to be to have everyone be their unique individual Spartan there needs to be a a, a huge pool of these coatings to choose from and yeah. there isn't at the moment, at, in, in this beta state, uh, just before launch. And if this is the battle pass for the next three months, the only way they're gonna introduce more coatings is by free events or um, buying them in the shop or grinding the weekly challenges. And that's that's a problem because mm. everyone's gonna look very similar. And, I, I, and again, the, the weekly challenges They're sort of designed in the way that you want to buy challenge swaps so that you get the right challenges to to grind through and buy XP boosts. And and you can just buy XP grants to go through the Mm -hmm. tiers on the battle pass. It feels like the whole system is aimed at getting you to spend, to progress. (sighs) And it's not giving you enough for it. It, Mm -hmm. It's a bit of a shame
0: yeah to, to me personally i think the logical progression for customization in halo would have been and um, if, if we think to mcc obviously you've got your color variation which you can pick just any color that they have and i think that's perfectly fine i i don't think that was a flawed system to begin with i don't know why they did like unless they were going to like revolutionize the way in which it was done i don't see why they bothered trying to change it the and i i really liked this is an element that it was kind of controversial for when it was introduced into Halo 3 customization, but the they kind of touched a little bit on customizing not only the Spartan armor, but also the texture of it when they introduced the two different sort of Spartan gen suits that you could have underneath your Spartan, and I think that was a really cool um, opening into what they could have done. I think the logical progression would have been to have the colors and then to introduce uh, different sort of, like, the coatings, but not as colors, has more of textures to have on your Spartan. So as you mentioned, the camo earlier, you could have the camo, but then you could pick the two colors if you want it for the camo. Or you could have like, I don't know, racing stripes or something. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm spitballing here, but something that would have added a bit more personality. Because I know at least in Halo 5, the, the variant helmets, at least there's one for recruit, at least the recruit armor, that is flames. And you can have flames on that. And I remember a lot of people being like, even though it's just a recruit armor, they'd use it because it was kind of like, Oh, it's cool to have like flames on your Spartan or something. Yeah, it's kind of tacky, but it, it's personal and and it looks unique. And Halo Five is probably arguably at least in modern Halo one of the worst customization systems in Halo because it's literally just a body and a helmet. Um, and I really, really think that they've misstepped here. Uh, I think, I think the the armor the armor hall is a really good way of they could have utilized that more so that you could have your own creations so like you could mix and match different armors and then have like a gallery of them and then pick whichever one you wanted rather than Mm -hmm. having to continue change i think that's a that would be a really fun idea yeah so you have Um,
1: different suits that you can select before each match yeah
0: rather than having to continually go back and change stuff all the time i think that's fine i am very disappointed with the progression system i'm very disappointed with the um with the store um, and this is from someone who i refuse to buy microtransactions on store i've done it before for games i've regretted doing it i'll buy the battle pass i think 10 10 euro for a battle pass i mean come on it's 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 free like the game is free i I think that's fine buy the battle pass and anyone who gives out about having to like i had the same um sort of like i know kind of dlc season passes are kind of going out of fashion now but i had the same opinion when people used to give out about Oh, why do I have to pay for this DLC? I paid for a game. It's like, it's extra content on top of that. It's 15 quid. Support the dev team that are working on this. Like, like don't be such an ass about it. I'm fine with paying a tenner for a battle pass for a free-to-play game. I think that's perfectly fine. What I'm not fine with is a quite... I mean... Okay, I'm, I'm going to sound very cynical here and this is believe me this comes from a place of love and i have nothing but positives to say about the gameplay for halo and i will get on to that but the my the store at the moment the prices they have and what they're charging are really predatory like the stuff that they're giving for the money that we're giving them is not worth it and i like even when i see like like here's the perfect example I can't remember how many credits it was. It was about fifteen or twenty euro for a set of katanas, and then three or four of the same sticker, but just for different things. And I thought, like, that is actually ridiculous. It was five hundred credits, of fiver for a different shade of red, and it's like, what is the point? Like, I,
1: I tell you what, because I've spent quite a lot in the store. Um, I've you know I spent. I got the original battle pass. I got. Um, I've bought challenge swaps and XP boosts. Um, I bought the first armor set that was available in the store. In the store, I'm wearing that armor set now, and I like it. Um, I bought like a sniper pack, so I've got a stance for the sniper. I've got a nameplate with that's connected to the the sniper, and um, I've got a sniper skin. i was quite happy with that. I'm using it. Um, and then I bought a pack that i thought looked cool it was like a a blue assault rifle skin it had a little attachment on the end of the assault rifle um it had uh something like an emblem or something anyway i got that and it was just like i put it on the ai i got into a game i went oh that looks proper shit i don't like that at all and that was like that was like oh god that's 8 pounds wasted yeah um 10 dollars or whatever uh, so, you know, there, there's there's a fundamental problem in that I I wouldn't have mined that purchase if it was only £4. Mm. You know, if they're just half the price, you know, if instead of £15, I got £7 for that armour set, because, you know, armour sets are, you know, pretty substantial. It's how your Spartan looks. Um, you know, to get full helmet, shoulders and chest, I don't mind paying, paying for that, but not at the level it it currently is it's um Mm -hmm. you know perhaps i i am the sort of person that is dragged in by these purchases just because i'm enjoying my time with infinite so much Mm -hmm. i understand that they have to make their money back but i do agree with you it it is tempting to go in the store and say oh that looks cool but those are things that i should be given in game for things that i'm doing Mm -hmm. um and I do you know I don't like it when the game is making me resent it a little bit because I've spent a little bit too much money on it. That's yeah. not a great feeling um
0: also to point out, I remember when they did the multiplayer reveal, they did specifically say and maybe maybe I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but they did say that all of the items that were in the store you could get in game like it, it there was the option to pay for it, but you didn't have to. Now maybe that's me misremembering. And I want to say if I do misremember, they probably meant just the battle pass. But I dunno. I just at the moment it really rubs me the wrong way what they've done at the store and with progression. Progression less so because I think what progression is like at least nobody's taking anyone's money for progression. The store though is actively taking money off people. And and that's that's the one thing I worry about. And I think I don't know. I I'm less likely to forgive three four three because they are such a huge company, um, because they 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 don't need, like it's not like they are struggling for cash, like they don't need to be charging 20, 15 to twenty euro for a skin, like they can, like they, they can have those prices easily, and they will probably earn up, like if anything, they will probably make more money because more people will be incentivized to buy it.
1: But how much is this three four three, and how much is Microsoft?
0: Yeah. That is always the case, and again, this is completely all speculation, and it is, of course, stuff that you know either you nor I will be able to speak to because we're not game devs, and it's it's just more of a customer opinion, and I suppose that probably is one of the most important opinions, but there could be quite clearly like bordering politics that's going on that we just don't know about. Um, Need to say, I I maybe it's a little naive of me to think about this in the modern day game industry, but I do have faith that they'll fix it. Um, I think they've got a lot of time to fix it because if they're planning on making, I am always wary when I hear companies say stuff like this is going to be a 10 year project like they did because it only takes one misstep for that project to then be just defunct. Like we saw that with like Mass Effect Andromeda um, and I'm, I'm I am hoping, I really want this to be a platform for Halo for the next 10 years because at the very moment, everything about the gameplay is addictive and I love it. Like, I haven't been this committed to a multiplayer game. And I don't even like multiplayer that much in, like, in this long. Um, Speaking on progression, I hope they do a similar thing once campaign comes out where they have campaign challenges that can help you progress in the Battle Pass. I do want... I don't want this shit again of, like, the couple of years before where the... You could only level up in multiplayer. Because that was a huge problem for me in Halo 5. Because I didn't like multiplayer, but I wanted to level up and I wanted to get, like, the... Um, I wanted to get the newest armors and all that from the rec packs. So I had to go and play Warzone. I had to play like Team Slayer and ranked and everything. I hated it. Uh, I loved Forge and custom games and I loved the campaign. So I ended up negating that time. Um, and I think if you look at my Forge time or my custom game time, I have like 20 odd days in that on Halo 5. Um, I really want And, I, and MCC was great because I could go into a game. Because I'm not the best multiplayer player, player either. So... Like, it's nice for me to go into campaign and have challenges that I know I can do and go and do that. And half of the fun is trying to figure out how to do those challenges. Um. So, yeah, I, I hope there's a tied progression between campaign and multiplayer. That's one thing I hope. And I feel like that would actually help a lot of the problems with the current progression system. Because at the moment, the progression system seems like you can, like, once you finish all your weekly challenges, you're kind of like, okay, what do I do now? Um. I was saying this to you when we were playing I was like I think they should personally and again this is just complete another like like me shooting shit here because like I don't have to I have no responsibility to do this or I have no consequences to not doing it I personally I think the best system would be to have the challenges as an added bonus maybe half the challenge XP that you get from them um so like 300 be worth 150 or whatever and so on and so forth and then make the rest of the progression in game so like uh, xp for kills uh, objective played all that sort of stuff like what they had in mcc um i think that's a really solid system for progression at the moment um but bar that like i I do want to bring it back to a positive very quickly because i don't want to leave this on a, a downer because obviously the the progression and the microtransactions have been dominating the use of Halo Infinite, particularly, I, I suppose, on Twitter. But, like, anyone who's been on Twitter will know that the negative stuff always dominates. So, probably not the best place to go off. Halo Infinite is a phenomenal game, regardless. I, I think it's really, really good. Um, the, the gameplay feels fluid. And I'd say this, props to 343 for finally being able to find the middle ground in a debate that suits everyone about whether Sprint should be in Halo or not. Like... The fact that that was such a huge problem for years, and now all of a sudden it's like, yeah, sprints here, and you need you don't have to use it. You won't be at a disadvantage for not using it, but you can also use it, and it's the same sort of scenario. I think I think that's such like I think they've done such a fantastic job at balancing the gameplay. We mentioned the the balancing of the weapons earlier, phenomenal. There's a couple of little bug issues like I don't know people sneaking up behind you and like somehow seven foot Spartans having like. I don't know ninja reflexes where you just don't hear them coming um but i mean i'm willing to i'm willing to forgive all this at the moment because technically it's still a beta if we're honest um, and
1: and they've they've made the point of proving that they listen and they mm. take on feedback and they change right they've already put in daily challenges like that's a that's a quick fix you know the uh, the play one game challenge so you always get xp for finishing a, a multiplayer game mm. um And while not perfect, it's certainly better than getting no XP. I don't think these things are a quick fix, right? I think, you know, obviously, the first year of this game, they're going to work out all the little kinks and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, But perhaps in three months, launch of Season 2, we will see a new progression system. So I, um, I don't know how much of it is too high an ask, really but to know that they're listening and taking on feedback is is good that's what you want from 343 right now and for a game as as promising as Halo Infinite that is going to be this um, have this longevity mm-hmm.
0: yeah for sure um do you want to is that what the point we'll finish on then or do you want to add anything else before I move on very quickly i mean just
1: the fact that it plays so well the fact that it is placing all Pleasing old fans and newcomers, um, and sort of reprising the best gameplay from sort of Combat Evolved and Halo Three, and um, and making Halo, you know, just look on your friends list and see if I'm playing Halo. That hasn't been something that we've had in a long time. Mm. It's a nice feeling. It's it's back up there. It is shining brightly compared to Call of Duty Vanguard and and the new Battlefield. Mm. Um, i'm very happy about it i'm hugely excited for the campaign uh and of course it's free to play so no one has anything to lose by going and giving it a try
0: 100 percent. Um, we're gonna go on to wrapping up the show now so we very quickly want to shine a spotlight on our article of the week on gaming sandbox.com or gaming-sandbox.com i should say uh to which you can find in the description below this week i'm highlighting a piece by our wonderful Chris Clausen, who writes for our website. Uh, he did a fantastic piece this week on Sir You're Being Hunted, which is a game by Big Robot Limited and is having additional updates and remasters being developed by Den of Thieves Games. Really fun retrospective review of a sort of a classic title in the indie survival horror genre. Uh, something you should definitely go and check out. I think both of us can speak to Chris's enthusiasm on any game he writes about, so it's always fun to read his insight into those sort of things as well. Um. A... Oh, yeah. almost
1: a connoisseur of the survival genre um so you are being hunted <laughs> It's is certainly unique i think his his writing has really won me over to uh giving it a little look at because it certainly has a charming aesthetic and um you know visuals mm-hmm. and also it, it does sound genuinely quite quite tense quite terrifying um mm-hmm it certainly feels like one of those worlds that can draw you in and then suddenly make you feel unsafe because you want to play the game because it does have that unique uh, feel and that humor mm-hmm. but then that that tension you know that i think that's something that's that's fantastic in horror games so many horror games sort of it's s- such an ordeal to be in the game world you don't want to pick up the game at all because you don't want to go back to that horrible place but to have a, a horror game where you're quite intrigued by the world and it's quite mm-hmm. charming and then it makes you feel very on edge when playing it, and mm-hmm. to have uh, all the things that the, that Chris outlines in the article, the the mechanics like um, how to hide from enemies and alert them by uh, uh, walking through sort of a crowd of pheasants and the the different interactions with the mechanics, it, it sounds like a really interesting game. So uh, definitely check it out.
0: One hundred percent. So, to conclude the show, um, any of the topics that we talked about today, we'd love to hear your thoughts on them in the comments down below or over on our Twitter and other socials, which you can find us on on Twitter at gaming sandbox underscore. Uh, the same for Instagram as well with the same uh, at. On Facebook, it's just at gaming sandbox and the same on LinkedIn. Uh, For all those, I suppose, business connoisseurs that are looking at us on LinkedIn. Uh, Over on YouTube as well, you can find our channel Gaming Sandbox and you can find our Shorts channel where we upload all our sort of fun clips of games we've been playing recently. Gaming Sandbox Shorts, I know, amazing name. Creativity is our, I don't know, we are the masters of creativity over here. Um... And I suppose finally, I I do also want to shout out our Patreon, because we don't do enough shouting out of that. Uh, We do have a Patreon page. Uh, It really would be amazing if you could spare any loose change you have per month to try and help support the website, whether it's to try and break even each year so that we can keep the website going. That would be fantastic. Uh, And Connor is a big proponent of always promoting the Discord server as well. That will be the top link in the description. Um, Please come over there, talk to us about games, anything at all mass Effect, I'd love to hear your dragon feedback. age yeah. halo <laughs> or if you want you can go over and talk about life is strange with connor and matt who i heard recently that matt uh, who for those who don't know is one of the co-hosts of the holo gamers podcast had a three-hour patreon discussion with another member of holo gamers about life is strange um so i mean fair enough he's clearly got plenty to say on it so please go over and indulge him Uh, but with that being said um, Connor, I'm going to leave off any final words you want to put in before I finish off the podcast episode
1: no just come chat shit in our discord it's a fun time
0: (laughs) perfect well thank you so much everyone for listening and we will see you all here again on the sandbox next week bye